the Fruited Plain. And joining us now, Aaron Rice, the director of the Mississippi Justice Institute. Aaron, thanks for coming on. Always good to see you. Yeah. Hey, Gerard. Thanks for having me. So you and I chatted a bit last week, right, uh, well, in the wake of the procedural vote that really cleared the path for passage of the Respect for Marriage Act. Yeah. And I sent a couple of uh, of tweets from the Twitterverse yeah. to you that I had seen, that, and I just wondered if, if they were accurate in yeah. their representation of what this possibly could mean should it go on to pass the House. Likely it will, it appears, yeah. at this point, and then uh, be signed by the president and become law. So one of the tweets that I had sent you, said that um, this is a direct assault, the the tweeter said, this is a direct assault on families, marriage, and religious freedom. And the concern, of course, is that this would open the door for, quote, Big Brother to force everyone, including religious organizations, to affirm same-sex marriage, polygamy, and more. Yeah. But then you sent me a screenshot of a provision in the bill. Yeah. Which is totally counter to that, and in yeah. fact, expressly says it won't do that. Yeah. So here, here we go. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of concerns out there. You know, one thing I've learned, Gerard, kind of being around the public policy world, is that a lot of times you have people who are deeply concerned about something in a piece of legislation, and you know, it may seem overblown to you, but what you learn when you talk to those folks a lot of times is that it's a sincere concern of theirs. Yeah. And so I, I do think a lot of times, you know, the best thing you can do if it's not going to undermine. The legislation is to try to address those. I think this bill, uh, as it stands, <clears throat> has tried to address those concerns. So, you know, in general, what the what the uh, Respect for Marriage Act does is it really tells the states that you have to respect other states' marriage laws. Even for purposes of federal law, it doesn't define marriage. It says the federal government will recognize any marriage that was validly in- entered into in any state. Hmm. And then it tells the states that they have to do the same. They have to respect you know, the marriages that are entered into in other states. That's constitutional. Uh, uh, Congress has the authority to do that under Article 4, Section 1 of the Constitution. You and I have talked a lot about um, federalism and, and wanting states to be able to you know, be laboratories of democracy, and that's very important. But, you know, we also live in, in one country, and you don't want people to cross state lines. You know, me, leave Mississippi and go to Alabama, and all of a sudden I'm not married anymore. Or somebody be able to, you know, litigate custody of their kids, lose, and then parentally kidnap their kids and go to another state and relitigate custody there. And so we, we, uh, we want, you know, in some ways for there to be dependability across state lines on, on legal acts, and Congress is, is authorized to to set that and say how they're going to be, you know, uh, established in other states. And so that's kind of what it does. But to your point, polygamy and all that, the bill expressly says that polygamy is not recognized. It defines it. The only way it really defines it, other than uh, deferring to the states, is to say that it's it's two individuals. Um, and, you know, there are uh, protections for religious liberty in the bill. It, it, it says that, you know, that it expressly states that there, you know, are respectable views on all sides and that uh, people are accorded respect for those views. And uh, one thing I think has led to a lot of confusion here, actually, I had to dig in to kind of understand where some of this confusion was coming from. It's actually the silence in the bill. Uh, there is that provision, like I said, that says that. And there's other provisions that say IRS tax-exempt status won't be pulled from churches or other religious organizations. Religious organizations, you know, the nonprofits don't have to provide goods or services. Think of cake baking and yep. all of that. Yep. So you've got all that in there. 
But then there's also just the silence of the bill is something that, that does more because we have a thing called the, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act federally, mm-hmm. and it applies to any law that Congress passes unless that law explicitly carves it out and says RIFRA does not apply to this, the Re- Religious Freedom Restoration Act. And so the fact that the bill doesn't mention RIFRA actually means that those protections are incorporated into the bill by virtue of its silence. So I think that's some of where the concern may come from. Now, I'll tell you, too, I mean, I've seen criticisms that say, well, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act is not enough protection. You may have seen Senator Mike Lee has introduced a bill that would go further and and say, you know, it's like the defense of the First Amendment Act or something Mm -hmm. to that effect. Um, You know, really the biggest difference between those two, what Mike Lee is trying to do and what the Religious Freedom Restoration Act already does, is that Mike Lee's amendment would give what's called a private right of action to people who are discriminated against based on their religious views. And a private right of action just means they can sue. And, and I, you know, I think that's a valid criticism. I mean, I, 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 that's one criticism I've had of the Religious Freedom Restoration Act in the past is that it does not give a private right of action to people who are discriminated against. You're basically relying on the government to, to respect that law. So, you know, there's some nuance there. But in general, you know, we can keep talking and talking. I, after looking at all of this, I think a lot of the concern is really not about what is in this bill, because this bill says, you know, we're going to respect religious liberty. We're not going to take your tax exempt status. We're not going to force you to, you know, to celebrate a wedding or, or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think what people are really concerned about is, well, this bill doesn't authorize it. But since Congress is now going to be or the federal government is going to be recognizing same sex marriages, we're concerned that some other uh, agency. So, for example, the IRS might on its own and look, we have seen this from the Biden administration time and time again, this kind of lawlessness, overreaching, not not caring if it's constitutional or not, not caring if it flies in the face of congressional you know, statutes or not. And so I think a lot of the concern is really just that, you know, the federal government is going to be, you know, in some fashion recognizing same sex marriages and which is really already the case. We haven't even talked about that. The Supreme Court is already in the Obergefell decision, you know, made that the law of the land. So all of this is really kind of a moot point in a lot of ways. But I think the concern is more from people thinking of kind of conjuring up monsters down the road of, well, what if the IRS starts saying, okay, well, federal law recognizes same-sex marriage. This church doesn't do that. And so we're going to punish them by taking their tax-exempt status. Now, this bill does not authorize that. It says that. But the fear, I think, is more that the agency will just do it on its own or, you know, other other agencies will do things like that. And Mike Lee, in his statement after the procedural vote, that, that pretty much is what he said, is yeah. that he was concerned that it didn't go far enough to yeah. protect Absolutely. Uh, organizations that uh, may not recognize it or may not want to engage or participate, yep. that they shouldn't uh, be punished in, in insofar as losing their tax-exempt status, et, et cetera. But who can forget uh, Lois Lerner yeah. uh, during the Obama administration, testifying on the Hill very smugly, arrogantly, and defiantly, as I recall, where she was engaged in her own, her own little political ideology with respect to approving or rejecting Absolutely. applications for tax-exempt status. If, if you were on the right and you were affiliated with any yeah. sort of Tea Party movement, which was uh, really prevalent at the time, you don't get it. And she uh, denied it, of Ab- course. Absolutely. But it was happening. It was happening. And so what I would say to that is I agree with Mike Lee. I mean, if, 
if if we you know if Congress could and there were the votes to add these stronger protections that Mike Lee wants to add, and again, really the main difference there, I read his amendment. It's it's very similar language to what's already in the bill. The main difference is it gives a private right of action, so it allows you to sue over I, this. I see. And so you know, but if um, if the votes were there, I would I would fully support that. I think it's a good idea to to give people that confidence. And and I will say another difference is it goes beyond the bill and says nothing in federal law will authorize this to happen anywhere. And so yeah. that would maybe constrain the IRS and other agencies more. So I think those would be good things. But what I would say too is even if that doesn't get incorporated, which it looks like it will not, you know, the the bill itself does not put any of this in jeopardy. And of course, we can always you know, fear about what might happen, what rogue, a rogue agency might do or what other some other law might do. But in terms of what is actually in this bill, it doesn't do any of those things. And yeah. so I, I don't really see, you know, a lot of, of uh, uh, concern in the bill itself. Of course, I can't predict what may happen down the road. But, you know, again, uh, this is really already the law of the land. We've got the Obergefell right. decision. And so in some ways, this is an improvement for religious persons on the status quo. I mean, right now you have a Burgerfell that doesn't say anything about religious liberty. I mean, there's a throwaway line in there, but it, it doesn't have any teeth or, or enforcement ability. Now, by this being codified with these religious liberty protections in it, if you're someone who's concerned about religious exercise, this bill is actually better than what we are under right now, which is a Supreme Court opinion that has no ability to enforce any of those religious protections. Yeah. And do you not feel like, to some extent, Aaron, that this was, in fact, driven by and perhaps the uh, the Roe case was a Absolutely. catalyst for this? This is what this is all about. Absolutely. That's exactly what it's about. I think that that is completely overblown. The justices went out of their way time and time again to say in the Dobbs opinion that this is going to have no no effect on any other right, any other 14th Amendment right. We're not overruling any of that. And so I, I think that's absolutely an overblown concern. But that is where it's coming from, is the left is saying, look, these rights are under attack. We need to codify things that we've won in the courts that we never got passed through Congress. Right. We need to go ahead and do that now. So if the courts strike down these other laws, we've got some, a backup. And it's what they seek with respect to uh, Roe as well. Yeah. In fact, Joe Biden said it's his top priority. Absolutely. Absolutely, is if to they had maintained uh, which control. Would be a massive mistake. You and I have talked about yep. how this should be back at the state yep. level. Abortion should be back at the state level. Yep. All right, we're stepping aside for a break right here. When we come back, I got to ask you about uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints reaction. Yep. They made a statement on this as well. The Mormon Church. We're coming right back. We've got Aaron Rice from the Mississippi Justice Institute in the Element Wealth Studio. Okay, so we got Aaron Rice from the uh, director of the Mississippi Justice Institute. We've been talking about the Respect for Marriage Act, which attempts to codify uh, recent Supreme or a Supreme Court case. It was from the yeah, 2011 yeah, or I, something I, I like think that. a little bit later, maybe 15. Uh, 15 sounds yeah. right. Yeah. And when, what you're thinking before that, uh, 11 or around there, was the Windsor case, which struck okay. down part of the Defense of Marriage Act, which did kind of the opposite of what the Respect for Marriage Act okay. does. Yeah. Okay. So it's... Uh, it's interesting. It's interesting legislation for sure. Um, the Twelve Republicans did support it, making yep. making it uh, past the threshold for cloture yep. uh, on legislation such as this, which does require filibuster-proof supermajority. Yep. That's how this came about. So here's what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints, also known as the Mormon Church, this is what they said. They released this statement on uh, November 15th, right after, I think, the legislation uh, passed the Senate. 
the doctrine of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints related to marriage between a man and a woman is well known and will remain unchanged. We are grateful for the continuing efforts of those who work to ensure the Respect for Marriage Act includes appropriate religious freedoms, protections, while respecting the law and preserving the rights of our LGBTQ brothers and sisters. We believe this approach is the way forward, et cetera, et cetera. So basically what they're saying is, they made some further clarification on that, as I recall, Aaron. They said, while we as a church, a, a body, our doctrine says we believe that marriage is uh, in the eyes of God mm-hmm. and in, in accordance with our faith and our doctrine between a man and a woman. However, we believe we don't believe that that should govern the nation. We're, we're a faith institution, yeah. and that, in fact, we support the idea of freedom and liberty for people to marry however they want, yeah. and that's why they were on board. So yeah. I, I'm at least impressed that they— they recognize that critical discernment. There. Absolutely. And I've seen uh, other uh, Protestant dom- denominations come out same in the thing. same way. And, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I think just in general, um, I mean, that, that you know, just like you said, it covers a lot of ground there. I mean, we are a plur- pluralistic society. We've got people of different faiths, no faith, Christianity, other things. And, uh, and we do. We have to decide, you know, in, in our civil law, are we going to import, you know, a certain religious view into that? And, and generally speaking, we don't do that here right. in America. And so, you know, I, I, I completely understand how uh, of people of faith, especially in these times, you know, we've talked about this before. I mean, you, you almost see a persecution of faith in a lot of ways. And, and I will say the United States Supreme Court has, uh, especially this current majority, has been very solid on religious freedom. I and mean, I'm glad to see that. And that's one thing that gives me comfort about where we're going from here with this, mm-hmm. with this bill. Um, but, you know, I, I, I completely understand, you know, those concerns. It's like you said, I, I was listening to you before I got on and you were saying, you know, the left acts like conservatives hate LGBTQ people, and that's not the case, and we just, you know, don't show it down our face, or not even just that, you know, there's concerns about children and all these things, and I, I think that's true. I mean, I don't think anybody, you know, hates LGBTQ. I shouldn't say anybody, but, but you know, reasonable people don't feel that way about it, and, um, and you know, they really have concerns about how it's going to impact their life, and if you can assure them that, look, we're not going to persecute you, we're not going to make you bake the cake or do anything that violates your religion— then I think most people are okay. And, uh, you know, and, and I think a lot of people too, I mean, I, I per, you know, certainly in my own life can say that if I think of all the things that, that bring me joy and happiness and peace and comfort in my life, I mean, my marriage is by far and away number one. I mean, sure. nothing else comes close to that. And, and so, you know, even if, uh, you know, certain uh, religious people think, well, that's not necessarily how I view marriage or, or it's, you know, it's not how my religion defines it. I think a lot of people are, are also fine saying, look, but if, if you want to lead your life in a different way and you want to have, you know, it's it's kind of goes back to the debate about in, in gay marriage. Early on in the debate, people talked about things like civil unions. Well, maybe can we come up with just something called a civil union? But I think the motivation for that has always been that people have recognized, look, I may not agree with it, but I, I'm not, I don't want to tell you how to live your life. We're in a pluralistic society, you know, and, and I know that my marriage brings you happiness. If you can find something that, that does the same for you, then power to you. Well, doesn't this really call attention to the discussion of whether or not the government ought to be involved in marriage whatsoever? I, absolutely. I mean, I, that's something I've always thought a lot about. I mean, back when, you know, same-sex marriage first kind of got 
into a heated debate going back 10, 15 years ago. One of the thoughts I had is, why don't we just get out the government out of the marriage business? You know, and, and you know, in a lot of ways, I think you could do that. I mean, it, it's not necessarily, you know, something that needs to be, you know, approved by the government. I mean, it's it could be a contract, yeah. you know. Um, uh, one thing that complicates that is that our laws have right. intertwined with marriage so much. I mean, there's tax exemptions for marriage, you know, there's insurance, insurance, there's death benefits, you know, there's no know, inheritance, all kind of things kind of it's property. It's an institution that's been around for millennia. That's right. And until recently was only defined in a certain way across countries, across time, you know, throughout world history. And so it, it is a little bit hard to just uproot that overnight. But I do agree in principle that that that's one avenue there to continue to look at is do we really need it to be the government that kind of puts a stamp of approval yeah, on this? That, that's right. And so, you know, the liberty side of me says, well, sure, if, if uh, same sexes want to get married or whatever, however they define themselves yeah. from a gender perspective, I got no issue with that. Yeah. But on the other hand, I don't want the government saying because in my church or my organization or whatever the case may be, uh, it 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 does not jive with or it conflicts with my religious views. I don't want the government coming in and telling me, no, you got to provide service or Absolutely. recognize that, perform marriages. No, that's, that's overstep. Or your church is going to lose their tax exempt status. That's crazy. And again, for the listeners, that is not in this bill. Right. But, you know, I, I do think that's the concern. And we have seen that over and over again. And it's usually has not been the federal government doing this uh, uh, on a lot of these cases. But you see, you know, Colorado will pass some anti-discrimination law and, sa- and that says, you know, you have to provide goods and services and all of that. And somebody will say, well, I don't want to, you know, bake a unique custom cake celebrating you know, uh, uh, same-sex marriage, that goes against my religious beliefs. And yes. then they're taken all the way to the United States Supreme Court over it. And then the same thing over and over again. There's a website designer right now that's, that's facing the same thing. And, and we've seen a lot of these cases. And so what I will say, again, to be clear, that is not in this bill. That is not authorized by this bill. But I completely see how people have a good-faith concern about sure. where does this all lead. We are already feel like we're under attack in a lot of these ways. We're being persecuted in a lot of these ways. Is this just going to add to that? And what I can tell you is this bill that's being passed does not add to that. In fact, it makes things better. Yeah. It has explicit recognitions for religious liberty. It, it says in the very first per- paragraph that— that or maybe the second paragraph that people hold reasonable views on this and they're informed by religion and philosophy and all kind of things and that's fine and that's accorded that should be accorded respect by the federal government and so in a lot of ways it's an improvement but my point being again those those kind of concerns are not in this bill but I do understand how people have concerns about what might happen down the road yeah because at the heart of this we have experience we've seen this happen uh, in the past where these agencies do have rogue ideologues Absolutely. in charge. Absolutely. And and they go out and, and essentially they're they're weaponizing their agencies to yep. fit their ideological yep. agenda. Yep. And uh, this is something that we should all push back on, of course, and be concerned about. It should be a situation where we don't have to worry about that yeah. because they're going to follow the law. Yes. And we've but already you, learned that they don't. You, you can't count on that. And the, the flagrant violation of law by the Biden administration has really been shocking to me. But I will say this, if it's comfort to the listeners, too, again, that that one thing that does give me some assurance about that is that, first of all, like I said, RIFRA, the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, 
does apply to this. That essentially makes it very hard in court for the government to uphold that kind of, to win on a case like that if they were trying to do that. And I'll just tell you, if I was the IRS, for example, and I was going to march into federal court and try to convince a judge that our unilateral regulation that we passed at the IRS that revokes tax-exempt status for religious organizations because they refuse to recognize same-sex marriages or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this bill that says in right up top that Congress says that it's okay for people to hold those views and they should be accorded respect. And I know that I've got the Religious Freedom Restoration Act to contend with that basically tells the courts, look, the government has to have a very compelling reason to do something that impinges on somebody's religious freedom. And they have to use what's called the narrowest, you know, narrow tailoring. They have to, you know, use the the most limited means possible to accomplish that. And I'm the lawyer going into court. I'm not feeling good about that case. Now, again, that's not to say it couldn't happen. But there, there are protections there, and, and, and a lot of them, you know, would, would work in the court system. Yeah. Well, this is fascinating, and, and uh, Aaron, really appreciate you coming in and uh, breaking that down for us. Yeah, because no problem. Because it, it's, it's complicated. It is complicated. Uh, at a minimum, and I think most people, clear-thinking people, say, yeah, if they want to engage in, in marriage and they're same-sex, I don't have a problem with that, but just don't force it on me yeah. as a religious institution or a company, et cetera. Just leave me alone. And I, I think this bill is trying to do that, I, I, and, you know— Again, none of us can predict the future, but nothing in this bill is aimed at forcing it down other people's throats or forcing them to, to you know, celebrate it or anything like that. Good to know. We shall see because it, it appears, at least at this point, it's going to pass. Yeah. Appreciate it, Aaron. Thanks for coming yep. on, Good man. Good talking to you, Talk Gerard. to you soon. Sure yep. thing. We're coming right back with more in the Element Wells.